Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. Good morning, everyone. This is the absolute perfect group for this message. And if anybody comes in and tries to ruin it, let's just welcome them and love them too. I'm so happy that you're here. This is a really special morning. Advent love. We uh, have a tradition in this fellowship of resurrecting the ancient tradition of Advent, not for the sake of liturgy or religion, at least the unpleasant connotations of religion, but instead Instead, the the very pleasant connotations of religion, because especially for today's message, if you really think about that word, whenever you see ion on the end of something, I-O-N, right? It means a state of, right? And whenever you see re on the front of a word, it means again, right? Over again. Well, the L-I-G in the middle is the same root as your ligaments and your tendons, tendons. So religion is supposed to be about connecting and reconnecting you with the Father and one another. Such is good religion. Would you agree? All right, let's do us some good religion this morning. Heaven, invade. Yeah, we seek your presence, God. We come boldly, we come thirsty, You are all we seek, your kingdom, your righteousness, your peace, your joy, your love, your Holy Spirit. Come now, come strong, linger long. Amen. So much adversity this morning, pipes freezing that wouldn't thaw. Uh, how many were on platform? Four? Four. There what that when we started this morning there were six. Seven. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We ended up with four. Thanks to pipe freezing and sudden attack of an acute illness that those two people had to take off. Never even made it in the building, the one of them. So Anybody else face any adversity the last couple of weeks? Three weeks, four weeks? Yeah. Some hard times, some un- yeah, okay. I think I <laughs> So this morning earlier we as a group before service started, we uh we just noticed that. And then we said, Oh yeah, we see that. And then what did we do? We laughed at it. So can we just do that? Enemy, we see you, you're not that impressive. We know the story. Can everybody, you know, our our friend Stephen Wendy Backlund tell us that even when you fake laugh, it does it does some good. So can we just fake laugh real quick? Ha ha ha! Tonight ends Advent, the four week, the four Sundays of Advent. And if you'd like to know more about 
this ancient tradition of Advent and why we invest in this season here, you can check out our website. There are a couple, three blog articles I wrote some time back about it. Joychurch.life. Go to the blog tab. You'll see them. They're right there if you scroll down not too far. Secondly, if you listen to the message recordings from December, but particularly November and December, you'll pick up on all of it. So uh, check out the recordings. Check out the blogs. But I'll just tell you this much. In homes and churches all around the world, tonight the purple candle, the fourth candle, is lit. It celebrates the love of Jesus. Jesus with us. Come, Emmanuel. And then tomorrow, in some traditions, they will light the white candle, which means he is come. The purity of the risen Christ has come. So, uh, I don't know. I think I'm going to try this. Anybody know this? How many can name that tune? I think probably the keyboard needs unmuted. Good. Good. Class dismissed. No. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. What does the Bible tell us about God love? Well, it tells us it's who he is, right? It tells us that it's unconditional, right? God is love. God is around us, everywhere, at all times. So it's not a stretch or a reach to say we are literally walking in a, whatever, a bag, a container, an environment, a water balloon of love. It's a big word. Our our love can emulate God's love, but it It goes out the window in quick order because until we fully mature into the head of Christ, our own love seems to always be conditional. Hit with enough adversity, then even somebody as perfect as that guy right there, his love can shut down for a while, not God's. Well, let's talk about some of those Bible words for God love. Here's the first one. Next slide, please. This is one with which I imagine most of you are familiar. Agape, Greek word. And uh, you can see by some of the figures that I put up there that that's the that's the that's the wonderful love. That's the all-consuming, ever never-ending, always there, unconditional, never-ending. How's the rest of those words? The something something love of God, right? And uh, But you know, when it comes to us, the bond of that, how it sticks to us and sticks in us and we stick it with on each other is a little fragile. It's a weak bond. The deeper we grow into the head of Christ, the more time we spend in 
the presence of the Lord, the closer we are to the throne and stay there, the more that we live in and live from agape love. But he's agape God. I'm not. I can soak it up. Right? But again, the bond can be weakened by all kinds of things. Here's the next love, next God love that the Bible talks about. Uh, looks like something you pay every month to go put your stuff in that doesn't fit in your house. But that's not, it's it's storge or storge, or actually it's a back of the throat sound, storge, like that. It too is a Greek word. It's the one that we all feel, well, maybe not all of us, but families who are fortunate enough to do so when they gather at Thanksgiving or Christmas, it's that thing, it's that thing around the table that only families can share, right? It's, it's that, it's, it's an ancient Greek word, and it's affection or familial family love, and it refers to natural or instinctual affection, such as the love of a parent towards offspring and vice versa. It's the love that, it's the love that, that's in the air when we give each other a holy kiss. It's the genuine warmth built or reinforced over time. And some families and groups stay together no matter what. Y'all know one that they've been up the creek and over the mountain more than once and they're still tight. And then there's a family like mine that really hit some storms when I was quite young. And you know what? The family didn't hold together. Storage, storge was not strong enough to hold it together. So it must, too, be a bond that can be broken. Next, God love. We could spend weeks on each one of these, but this is one with which we are all familiar, too. Eros. <clears throat> About every 5, 6, 10, 12 minutes that you have your television on, this pops up in some form of a low-cut top or a form-fitting thing or a six-pack abs with a shirtless guy or innuendo or it's that physical, right? You know the one I'm talking about. It's beautiful. It's invented by God. It's ordained by God. It's blessed by God under certain conditions and constraints that he's blessed us with. It's a very weak bond. It's a very corruptible bond. The Bible, especially the Apostle Paul, tells us that, man, when we mess this up and we do it outside the bounds of a biblical marriage, hell just comes running in. That's why he tells us what he tells us about it. It is breakable, it is corruptible, and the enemy loves it. Again, two or three messages right there. Let's cover one more. Philos. Some of us are old enough to remember Rodney King, the L.A. riots. Why can't we all just get along? Some of us, there might even be somebody in the room, no, not today, I don't think, who can remember Pearl Harbor. Many of us can remember 9-11, right? Remember how the whole country came together? Yeah. So strong. So amazing. This year, let me just check my figures. I could go out natural disaster after natural disaster. I'll bet you right now that in San Diego, L.A., Santa Barbara, 
people are rallying around, praying together, fit, bringing each other meals, you know, uh, fernly strong, you know, so name the city strong, right? People get together. And, and this is where the term, you know, when you go to a lot of churches, they, everybody calls each other brother and sister, right? And in some churches, they actually are, and they actually behave in such, in such a fashion. So philos, philos, let's come together. Let's do something about this. Let's be one. Let's, let's as a people, let's, let's, let's pray. Let's come together. Let's, let's do something about this, and yet it fades. And the bond of together seems to nowadays vaporize quicker and quicker to me. So it, too, is a sure and true bond that's easily breakable. See, what we need here is revival, right? Well, except for this. And yet, the track record shows that revivals only last so long. We can go as recently as Asbury. Anybody heard of Asbury in the last several months, though? Nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm grateful for Asbury. Lots, not lots, but a few people from Fernley actually went. I absolutely love it. I, I <laughs> yeah, I stalked it. You bet I did. Enjoyed every minute of it from a distance. Asbury and the hundreds of, you know, in our lifetime, we we know of the Jesus movement. We know of the Brownsville. Um, Revival. We know of a revival in Kentucky. We know of a lot of stuff that's gone on over at Bethel. We know the Toronto blessing, the Lakeland blessing, the you name it, outpouring, awakening. It seems, though, that I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying how, just saying, it seems like awakenings kind of go back to sleep. It seems like outpourings just kind of end up poured out. Not that they're bad. They're wonderful. So, movements die and become corrupted. Leaders of churches, big and small, fail. We had another hero this week who we've learned some tough stuff about. Churches and even whole denominations split. The population of the walking wounded out there, the disenfranchised and the disappointed former church growers. Church goers seems to just be thriving. That's the end of the reality check. It's all good from here question, and here's that question, what did the first disciples have that we don't? Oh, sure, the right answer to every preacher's question is, Jesus, sure, of course, good, good job. What did, but what did the church in its first 300 years have that we don't? Because it continued. Time and time again, you will see authors and experts say discipleship, and they're right. On the surface, that makes perfect sense. Yet, think about this, if you would please. Think about this. Never before has so much content been available, much of it right at our fingertips. Great books, great courses, wonderful trainings, media, multimedia, apps, web and software tools, teachers, social media influencers, and so much more. The blogosphere is amazing. Oh my gosh, we have access to so much like never before and yet. Well, I'm going to tell you that for us here today, 
Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2023, the biggest single answer to my former questions remains discipleship. This is another area in which we, the larger church, have imported the culture around us. We've taken what the culture around us says is discipleship, and we've tried to adapt it, churchify it, biblicize it, all with good intentions. But we have somehow come to believe over the last several generations that discipling is a matter of education, training, and behavior modification. That's half true, and it's good. However, programs and classes and videos and subscriptions and TV shows and podcasts and all the other wonderful things miss two key elements that they had in the first three centuries and the 12 had with Jesus, as well as the 70 and the 500 and go from there. We're going to get into them pretty deeply in 2024. Maybe what we've been calling discipleship is different from what Christ did and he showed and taught and at all times modeled. Maybe there's a deeper, more powerful truth, and maybe we, the church, can still access it and plant it and germinate it so well that Holy Spirit can move powerfully in us and export the kingdom of heaven rather than import the culture around us. What if there's a whole different level and means instead? Christ's way. What if his way of discipleship can result in us actually doing the greater things he talked about? So I mentioned two elements. The first is followership as opposed to leadership. We'll be getting into that in some depth in 2024. But the second one is what we want to highlight today, the biblical word leaven. Some leavens are chemical agents used in batters and breads, baking soda, baking powder, for example. Then there's yeast. Yeast is biological. It's alive. It's organic. It's unseen. Its tendrils spread and connect and interconnect. The byproduct of yeast leavening is bubbles and expansion. That's how the kingdom of God looks. That when the Holy Spirit speaks into you, speaks through you, it's like a bubbling, not a shout. Now, this byproduct leads to the dough rising, and it comes to maturity how and when comes to maturity under the right environmental conditions. Warmth, moisture. Jesus highlighted it too. It's the only place in the Bible where leaven is referred to as a good thing. Everywhere else in the Bible is referred to as sin. Take a look at these uh, the one verse. This is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. That's about 60 pounds. Till it was all leavened until it bubbled and rose. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. That's the NIV that Passion says, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to yeast that a woman takes and blends into three measures of flour and then waits 
until the dough rises. Our job is to leaven my spiritual dad. Because I, man, I was a doer, man. I just, leader, doer, ready, fire, aim. He used to tell me over and over and over, you do what he says and watch him work. Just wait. Holy Spirit does the work. This all brings us to the God love for today, this fourth Sunday of Advent. And here is the incalculable, let me say that word over again. You cannot calculate how valuable this treasure is. For which today we expectantly wait and prophetically activate. That's Advent. Expectantly wait, prophetically activate. You ready for this word? Here it comes. Chesed. I ran across this word some years ago, and it just sort of went, boink, what's that? And I've been down, I don't even know how many rabbit holes, how deeply, and, uh, you know, the, discover the wonders of his love. That's kind of what this has been for me the last, I don't know, when I start talking about it, three, four years ago. Yeah. It's an ancient Hebrew word. Let's see if we can if I can somehow actually describe it. It's not something you learn, it's something that just is. We're gonna call it attachment love, connected love, interconnected love. You can call it covenant love, where no matter what, he will do this and I will do this. You can call it that, but actually covenant is built upon the much deeper underlying thing of chesed love. I'm trying to see what those words are and those figures, because I, I might have missed one. I never experienced this until I met my spiritual dad. It says, steadfast love, loving kindness, covenant loyalty. You can reasonably ask, how come I've never heard of this word? Well, it's not really in the New Testament, but it's in the Bible, depending on the translation, somewhere around 300 times. And uh, here's the deal. The reason that it didn't really, I think, I don't really know, but I think the reason it's not mentioned per se as its own topic in the New Testament is it's, it's just the way of life in the Middle East. When you go to the Middle East and it... You know, if you're even in nomad cultures or Bedouin cultures or Muslim cultures or no matter what, if you're a guest, that host will die for you just because you're a guest. If you're family in the Middle East, that trumps everything. You can't, no, and I, I, the way I first learned this is I never heard of it, and it was years before I ever heard of it. I ran into a guy. And over the years, he told me and he showed me, uh, you're Velcro. I'm Velcroed to you and you can't undo it. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do or say or don't say. 
You will never, ever break this attachment. You will never break our connection. It cannot be done. And he has proven that to be true. And I've been able to model that some over the years with some people. And it's, all I can tell you is, that's, in my opinion, my, yeah, my opinion. That's the factor, one of the two big factors, but maybe the biggest factor, how 12 undereducated, utterly unqualified, really kind of broken guys, geometrically or exponentially kicked off a worldwide movement that's lasted over 2,000 years and revolutionized all of what was the known world 2,000 years ago is because they lived the truth that this is the nature of God and this is the nature how we can be with one another. Chesed. You can't shake me. Before my sister passed, we had been through a lot. We had lost a lot. There was absolutely nothing she could do that would even in the slightest way put me off. All it meant if she really screwed up or did bad or insulted me is I needed to get closer. We need, and it wasn't even a matter of a conscious choice to fix it. We just did. Anybody have a relationship like that or know of one? Raise your hand if so. You got anybody in your life that that's the nature of the God you serve? That's, that's, that's the present tense undestroyable reality of chesed love. So what we need to see in the upcoming year is discipleship with attachment love baked in, leavened, leavened, leavened. Unbreakable bonds, tendrils, sinews that hold everything together, the never let go love, the no matter what love, yeah, it's baked into Middle Eastern culture, still is today. You see it still every day if you know any Jewish people who are observant and have crossed generations. See, it goes much deeper than covenant or loyalty or even conscious choice. It's relatively known in the Western church, and it's very, very rare, rare in Western culture. Do you see it in your workplace, especially if you work for a corporation? especially if you work in a publicly held corporation? Is that a no-matter-what employer? We'll work it out together. We'll fix it. I got to do that in a workplace once and lead it. It was wonderful. It's baked into kingdom culture. So what we're doing here is our very best to leaven a culture with it. We've been doing that for a long time, kind of unspoken and unseen. It's why we're so passionate, and I keep, tr- I keep promoting them about our core values and our key distinctives. And someday, someday, we will be a faith community. The region sees chesed baked in. I can't think of a better verse to sum this up than Romans 2.4. And that's our next slide. As crazy as this is, it is upside down. It is inside out. 
But here's the truth of it. And here is an accurate translation of that verse. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Chesed. Not knowing that God's kindness, chesed, is meant to lead you to think in a whole new way, to turn a whole new and different direction, to overhaul and renew the way you think, act, and do? That's repentance. In the NIV, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, or chesed, not realizing that Christ's kindness or loving kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I just got to follow. That's it. The passion. Do the riches of this of his extraordinary kindness, chesed, make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Oh, but don't make his don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness, chesed, is meant to melt your heart and lead you into new life, new thinking, new ways? Repentance. Advent, love, fourth Sunday, purple calendar. Before we head to the tables, I want to take a trip, a long, long trip, back to a set of verses you all know. Oh, the context of these verses is so incredible. Number six, and or numbers chapter six. I'm not going to. Take the time because I don't have the time to get into it. But this is what Moses told his brother Aaron to tell the Israelites. It was impartation, it was exhortation, it was revolutionary, it was prophetic, it was profound. No less today than today. Because you see, a child was born. A child was born. Willingly laid down all of his privilege and came to earth in a slovenly, horrible place. The worst of environments. Among the lowliest of people in the most out of the way. I mean, we're talking gabs. Some of you don't know where Gabs is. Most of the world's population doesn't. Bethlehem was a no-account town in a no-account place with no-account people. But it's also where David was born, and the Bible prophesied the baby would be born in the town of David. Anyway, this is prophetic. Jesus fulfilled all the law and all the prophets. Is that true? He fulfilled this. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. That's chesed. When, when the father sees you coming, he lights up like a granddad sees the toddler running toward them. That's the blessing. That's literally what your heavenly father does to the extent that you are in alignment with him, Jesus the Christ, in the kingdom. The Lord bless you 
and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That's chesed. The Lord lift up his countenance. Now, I don't, I don't think I've ever really been able to imagine the Lord being sad, like mopey. But I think he's busy. And I think he's maybe looking over here, looking over here at this church and these people and that situation and that natural thing. And and all of a sudden, here comes you or you or you or you or you or you. And he goes, oh, he lifts up his countenance, his face, his presence upon you. And he gives you. Thank you, Aaron. Jesus fulfilled this, and God means it as or more fully than he did back then. Advent. Expectantly wait, prophetically activate. It is as fresh today as ever, maybe even more so for 2024. At the same time, it is ancient. It's hundreds of years old. I like to reach back. Jeremiah said, Keep the ways of the ancient paths. Not because we worship them or we turn them into junk, but reaching back the ancient. We'll finish this morning by doing that. Let's start here. There was a Dominican theologian named Meister Eckhart. He was a very highly renowned monk back at the time. What time? Well, his lifespan started in, he was born in the year 1260, and he died in the year 1328. He wrote a book called Darkness and Light, and in that book, he wrote a piece called Christmas is Today and Every Day. And here's what Meister Eckhart said. You ready? Yes? Oh, good. At the heart of everything is one love. The love that gave birth to all of creation is the same love that was born on that first Christmas morning in Bethlehem. The light that shone in the darkness, that same love is the love being born in you each day without ceasing. So open yourself to this light and celebrate the coming of God into this world in in your darkness, into this world in your darkness. For Christmas is not long ago and far away, but here and now, today and every day. May we open our spirits, our hearts, our souls, our minds, our strength. Let's choose risk. Let's let God in fully. Maybe even to his attributes in nature, we may not even currently understand. Radical, undefeatable, interconnected, forever attached love. Chesed. Let's expectantly await it. Let's prophetically activate it. So at our, morning, at our tables this morning, we're going to do two things. The first is communion. Would one person from each table come up and get the elements. And if there are only two of you or so at a table, please feel free to join another. Go ahead, come and get them. Enough for your whole table. Then, I'm looking around the room. I believe that enough people 
have been through a communion homily or teaching that I don't need to redo that. Let's just do a refresher course. Let's set aside about four minutes, and let's just let Jonathan Stockstill and Bethany worship. Jonathan Stockstill and Bethany worship. Recenter us, refocus us on communion. The media team are going to play a video, and all I'm asking you to do is engage. Just engage. Re-energize, reactivate. Body of Christ, blood of Christ, letting the elements symbolize taking in and living from Jesus the Christ, who is come more fully. So, Holy Spirit, activate the majesty, majesty, sacredness, and power of communion this morning as we take the elements. Now, please hold the elements. We'll take communion together at the end of this video. Father, we thank you that love came down. We thank you that you, the triune God, laid down all of your privilege, every bit of it, and came to earth not only as a human, fully. You were no less God. You were no less deity. But you willingly and voluntarily chose to not use any of that privilege. You came to earth as a baby, helpless in a manger. You lived a perfect and sinless life. You willingly endured torture, brutality, mocking derision, and the hideous and horrible death on a cross. You died. You were buried. And yet on the third day, you rose again, walked with us for 40 days, and then you ascended into heaven where you're now seated at the right hand of the Father. And then, you sent your Holy Spirit on us and in us. What a God. What a God. All that we could experience. The reality of you, your ravishing love you desire to lavish upon us and in us, including chesed. So in your hearts, I'm asking you this morning, won't you thank Jesus? Won't you light the perfect love, purple candle, Jesus, we thank you. The bread represents your body, and we gratefully and thankfully take it and eat us. Today, let us look to the purple candle of love and leaven. Let us leaven chesed, love, into ourselves and our table. I pray, Father, that something happens big, even if subtle, but big in each one of us that we may know this connection, this never-breakable attachment that's two-way. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the grape juice that represents it, the wine that represents that and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't already, please feel free to take the elements. I knew there was something more to communion, so once again, years ago, I went on a deep dive consulted with 
a lot of theologians, really highly noted ones, talked to even some in person. And I discovered there was way more to communion than what I had been formerly aware of. And it turns out, it's actually, Jesus instituted it as a celebration of victory. It's actually more like a party than a somber, although it's sacred, it's holy, it's reverent, it's awesome, it's me on my face because I'm me and he's God. Yet it's also a celebration of victory we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Some translations say his testimony, some say ours. Who cares? Holy testimony. So tomorrow, some folks are going to light their white candle. I thought we'd get a jump on it today and do a candlelight service this morning. He has come. He is God with us, right? He has come and he is coming. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Next time it is said, and I believe it, he will not be coming on the donkey. Next time he will come in triumph, and we are those who prepare for his return all the while manifesting the ruling presence of Jesus the Christ within ourselves and within everybody whom we influence. And so, a year from now, it is my prayer that this feels, as wonderful as it feels today, feels altogether different by virtue of living out this chesed love to a greater degree. Well, we're going to look at the white candle now. Jesus the Christ came. He is here in our among one anotherness. I love making up words. He is here in our among one anotherness. And at the same time, we expectantly await his full return and we activate his way, truth, and life. Let's once again go back to the life found in ancient paths, Jeremiah. Ancient Greeks, you know how they used to greet each other? Ancient Greeks? With the imperative, imperative, you do this. They greeted with the imperative, let's see if I can say it. Chayere, it means rejoice. The Greeks greeted each other with rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. And the ancient Hebrews greeted each other with the ancient imperative, shalom. And they still do today. The imperative, peace, wholeness, completeness, perfection, be upon you. You have nothing to be concerned about yet. Everything is, will be taken care of today and tomorrow. It, you're okay and you're going to get okayer. Or in the words of Charles Wesley, the guy who started the Methodist denomination, who also paired peace and joy in his, quote, hymn for a Christmas day. He wrote it in 1739. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners. Very good. Same two words. So here's that uh, hymn more fully. We'll light our candles while this plays. Please take in the words. They're already lit. Never mind. When it ends, we'll remain still for just a moment or two in the darkness and in the silence. The awkward, dark silence. And soak it up. The victory. 
peace and joy. We receive. We receive. I'll close today with two things. The first is, I love insurgents. I love holy insurgents. You can blow your candles out if you'd like, especially if you're getting burned or making a mess for Dina. Thomas Aquinas uh, was born in 1225, died in 1274. One of the reasons I love Thomas Aquinas and so many others is they took on the existing culture. He uh, got up in the, because Aristotle was extremely influential back in the day. Think about the biggest influencers in our culture today and think about somebody who understood the kingdom and Christ Jesus and said, let's do it. Let's, let's talk about it Christ's way. And so one of the things that Thomas Aquinas wrote is um, this prayer, and it's mine for you. It's mine for me, and it's mine for you. It's so simple, so short. Ready? Yes? Grant me, O Lord my God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, a life that is pleasing to you, perseverance to wait for you, and a loving trust that will lay hold of you at last. May each and every one of us lay hold of him for the first time or more fully at last. And now I'll go back to Aaron. This day, the rest of this holiday, tomorrow as you gather, and certainly in 2024. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto you and your families and those you care about and give you Shalom. Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you for Debbie. We thank you for your provision. We oh, Sometimes I'm just overwhelmed. We thank you for your one another amongness. We thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name I pray. Merry Christmas. Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the joy life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.